It's time for class. Civics just doesn't begin and end on election day. This is Sunday Civics, the home for the civically engaged with political strategist L. Joy Williams on Sirius XM's Urban View. Welcome, welcome, and good morning. This is L. Joy Williams, your neighborhood political strategist and civics teacher, and you are listening to Sunday Civics and... This is another conversation this morning. Maybe you're getting ready for church. Maybe you are still in the bed or getting ready for brunch later or something like that. And just to, you know, pre-game, to get you ready to kiki with, you know, the, the, your girls, your, your friends, your parishioners, you know, where y'all going to go to eat after service and everything. I'm bringing another sister to the front of the class for us to have a really good discussion about where we are politically, talk about our community in general. And she has a lovely, lovely, wonderful name. I feel like we could go on tour, Holly and Joy. Joy and Holly, like during the holiday season or something like that. Um, But Holly Holiday, who is the founder and CEO of Holiday Advisors, who has over 20 years experience working in politics. She's an advisor. She worked as a lawyer, a consultant. She's been in the nonprofit world as a leader and executive as well. And she has a wealth of knowledge on policy, politics. And so welcome to the front of the class for the first time, Holly Holiday. Thank you. It's exciting to be at the front of the class. (laughs) (laughs) And listen, we should do like a December political power, Holly, joy, right? Because I'm really feeling it. Feeling it. Like a like, preview for 2023, everything you need to know to get ready kind of thing. I, I mean, and then we got the Holly and Joy. We could do like the little, like the spinoff. We need to get our cons people together. Yeah. <laughs> this is working. I feel a whole collab in the making. <laughs> <laughs> Holly and Joy for the holidays. Okay. Thank you so much for making time you know, just, I'm sure, like me, you are crazy busy because we are counting down the days until the midterm election. And I know people are kind of tired of us saying, you know, this is an important election and, you know, but, you know, we work in this industry, you know, every election is important from the local, the midterm to the presidential but it does feel like we're tiring people out with the every election is important, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you know, I try my hardest because I know that it feels like they get said every time and it's kind of true every time, which is the funny part about it. So I try to use more words like this is why this is important this time. Like, because while it's always important that it is the most important election at that time. There are some very specific reasons as to why it's important. And so I try to dig into what is the why. What are the things that are at stake right now that we have an opportunity to change, that we have an opportunity to impact? And hopefully, you know, especially for, you know, my ministry is always around Black women and Black community. And so I'm really tied into what are some of the things that are facing and challenging us right now? that we need to dig into. And every election is an opportunity to dig into something. It's just being clear about what that something is. 
Absolutely. So before we dig deep into all of that, because, you know, like you, you know, I want to talk about our collective power. But before we get there, it is your first time at the front of the class. So I would love for you to share the story of your first civic action. So honestly, my first civic action happened before I could even remember it. I was three days old and it was being in a car seat kind of thing beneath the table where my mother was working on a campaign because she's political too, no surprise, stuffing envelopes. And she always tells the story about how literally I was born literally into politics. Shortly after my birth, I was participating in elections while she was stuffing envelopes. And so that is always the first story. But my first remembrance story is really one of being in middle school. And because my parents, both of them very political, where I'm from in Kansas City, Missouri, working for the oldest political pack, African-American pack of the country, Freedom Incorporated, we had, they, they had created a thing which was largely a way to keep us out of trouble called Young Freedom. And what we would do is during campaigns, we put on our yellow and gold, t- our gold and black T-shirts that said Freedom Incorporated. And we would hit the neighborhoods, canvassing, doing visibility, just really sharing with people about various candidates and elections that were going on. And, and I can truly say now in my career of more than 20 something years that I have been everything you can be in a campaign from the baby under the table to campaign manager and beyond. I love that. From baby under the table (laughs) to campaign manager and beyond. If you do not have a title for your book. (laughs) That might be my title, right? That might be it, right? With the picture of like, you know, a baby underneath the table. Sleeping. I mean, come on. Listen, Holly, our comms folk are probably like, this is the best conversation ever. Because not only do we have a tour, but now we got Holly's first book. All right, let's see. (laughs) Let's see. Let's see what else we can come up with. (laughs) Let's see what else we can produce. So I want to go back to what you said in the beginning about changing the conversation. And rather than focusing on this is the most consequential election in our lifetime and things like that, the hyperbole that we often use, I say we in terms of the industry, in order to mobilize people to vote and talk about, you know, the language that we know that works best, which is investing in people's power and, and sort of pulling out their political voice and how you can exercise that in elections and beyond, right? Like how, how does on the ground actually engaging with people, right? Because we know there's a difference between the people that talk on TV and on radio and stuff like that versus the people like us who've actually been on the doors and on the phones engaging people, you know, How is that different? How do we get people in your mind in recognizing that political power of their voice? Yeah. You know, so in many ways, I I consider myself to be a master organizer. And to be a master organizer means that you understand your sphere of influence and span of control. 
And organizing to me is mastering those two things. And what that means ultimately is recognizing community. We were born to be in community with each other. So anything, and, 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 and honestly, politics is the very height of being in community with each other. And so when I think about how we engage people, I have to go back to those fundamentals of what we like to do as community, the way that we engage each other as community. And particularly for Black communities, hey, we like sitting around shooting the breeze. We like having those interesting back and forth conversations. We look and create those spaces pretty much everywhere we go, whether we're sitting around a dinner table or shooting, shooting the breeze in a barbershop or beauty salon or or even just standing in line at the Starbucks, we find opportunities to be in community with each other. I know you're in New York City and on any given sunny day, you can walk through the streets of New York and see people in impromptu gatherings or even intentional gatherings looking to be in community. Wherever you are in that community, that is the space that we need to be in and having these conversations. And a big part of just doing that is making sure that they see us and themselves in the public eye. Because then that brings it from, you know, what they see on television, what they might see in a TikTok video and everything in between into those conversations. Yeah. So part of that is, you know, so I have this theory that I'm sure a, a number of us who are in the industry know mm -hmm. makes sense. And you know, around this time of the election cycle, we know as being practitioners, there's a difference between what we would ideally love to happen, what should have happened before we got to this point, <laughs> what we only got, you know, 12 days or how many ever days it is to yeah. actually implement. So, yeah. you know, as a campaign manager, and we've both been in this position before, yes. You know, but who also believes in larger civic engagement and participation, it can be a balancing act. Because on the one hand, you want to bring everybody who's eligible to the polls. As a campaign manager and as a campaign, I got limited time, limited resources, and I really need to just grab the people I can, <laughs> like, to to, uh, to make this work. Absolutely. Like, you know, talk about that, like, that balance like for folks yeah. who are because there are folks that are on the extreme right there are the people who they're only is you know nonpartisan civic engagement and everybody should vote and these people that are only talking to the same you know talking to these people that are scored democratic liberals or whatever like yeah. bad for our democracy but on the other hand like i've been in that position where it's just like yeah we are we're going negative in the we're going to be in the hole <laughs> we're going red as of November 1st. And so I don't have the capacity or the resources to do the happy-go-lucky talk to everybody. I need to talk to the people I know who are going to help me elect this person. Listen, and this is what the collective is. And so I'm so glad this is a civics class because this is a great learning opportunity right here. So it starts with just what we talked about in the beginning, Joy. That's the collective, right? And so what it means is I, Holly Holiday, whatever role I'm playing right now, do not have to play every freaking role. <laughs> that is the key. The key is making sure that we have good people 
who share our values, who are aligned in our strategy, operating in all the different places so that I can be the best at what I need to be in the role that I'm playing. And so can they. The problem is, is that we frequently don't have people playing all of the roles. And another little wrinkle, again, this is for the civics education part, because of the campaign financing rules and because of the way in which we are permitted to spend and raise money, there are, there are limitations into who we can talk to at certain points. And so that's why I kind of like this idea of what you need to know for the upcoming year, because that's the opportunity when it's far away from the election that we really have to think about where are people going to be in all the different places, because the closer you get to the election, the less you can communicate across various lines. But understanding and knowing that, you know, hey, I can't talk to Joy because she's sitting in that seat over there. But I know joy, so we are aligned. That helps make whatever job you're playing, it makes making those decisions much easier. Problem comes when you don't have that kind of alignment. And the way you know you don't have it is because you're watching TV and you see a random commercial and you go, ah, that's not helpful. (laughs) Even though it was put out by someone who you or an organization you consider to be an ally. And so We got to be smarter. We got to get more strategic. We got to think about who's sitting in these spaces and what their values are and how we get aligned a lot earlier and how we have these conversations, not just about the specific campaigns, but about what we ultimately want to achieve for our community. Yeah. So, you know, my to, to that point, you know, working on actual campaigns and knowing that, you know, you have limited time, limited resources, and you need to pull Yes, you need to use scoring and likelihood and talk to the the voters who are most likely to turn mm-hmm. out because that's what I have the resources and time to do. Mm-hmm. On the overall civic engagement piece, Holly, I'm so frustrated, particularly on the Democratic side, that we keep waiting that we are not expanding out like our universe consistently. Yeah. You know, I'm going, you know, earlier this week, I went to Pennsylvania's talk at a university and talking about this election cycle, what's at stake. Sure. And part of the conversation I <laughs> talked about, you know, while, while we on the Democratic side, on the more progressive side, we have the room to grow. Yes. Whereas folks who want to take America back, like they're they're the population of folks that they can entertain and engage with that rhetoric is smaller. The difference is they keep those folks enraged and engaged. And so they come out and turn out. Yeah. Versus us, like, what is more of a depressive, you know, and this is just like a partisan sort of conversation, you know, in in this conversation right now. We've got to have that because we've become hyper-partisan. Yeah. And so, like, we have the ability, and and that's why I like this conversation of, you know, when I talk about civic engagement beyond Election Day, because Mm -hmm. that work of expansion Mm -hmm. does not happen in an election cycle. It happens outside of an election cycle. That is the organizing and sort of the the power that we need to grow so that the population that we can pull from come elections. 
It's larger. Hello. And listen, to be fair, we are doing so much better this cycle than we did last cycle and that we've done in previous cycles. But we are still learning and growing, okay? And we are still making mistakes that, frankly, I wish we weren't. But you said it exactly. Listen, it's easy to get a homogeneous group of people in information, as Beyonce would say, right? To get them information is easy because they are kind of like thinking. They have the same or similar experiences. They are chasing the American dream in the same way. Now, on the other side with Democrats, being the party of the big tent means really figuring out how to get all these folks with a lot of different backgrounds, with a lot of different identities, perspectives, values, all aligned into a space where we all get something that's good. It's a much harder and much more complicated process, but we're getting better. We're getting better. And the way, and I think you can look at some of the key things that we've seen publicly this show that we're getting better. There's immediately, I think about right here over my shoulder here, I think about the confirmation of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. We, from the moment that President Biden announced her nomination, the amount, the number of cross-sectional groups, organizations, and people that got on board that we didn't have money for it. No one had written us a check to say, we support it because we didn't all know that it was going to happen. We immediately got together. We had conference calls. We had meetups. We ended up doing, it was one of the best examples of what we could do when we work together possible. And we were just very, it allowed us to really experience what it looks like when we're focused on a single idea. Now, in some ways, that's kind of suspended reality because because the truth is we're working on a lot of different fronts. We are not a single issue driven party or community and we need to figure out how to manage that balance at all times and that's part of the work that you say that really needs to be happening and hopefully is starting to happen, you know, year round. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, I want to I, I want to continue our conversation about recognizing our power. I want to hear from you also on what you think is at stake, right? If you were on the doors, and I know it's been a while since we've been on the doors, but like we were on the, every now and then you got to like, you know, dust it off and hit the doors, right? Like just so, so Holly, when we come back, we're going to hit the doors and yes. we're talking to, and we're talking to voters. What are we telling them? that is important and on the ballot. And then also what's coming up next is the reason why we need certain people at in leadership. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Sunday Civics. I'm L. Joy Williams. And at the front of the class with me is Holly Holiday. And our tour will be coming soon. Watch out for those states. Anyway, <laughs> so Holly, we're hitting the doors. All right. We're hitting the doors like millions of people are right now. Campaigns across the country who are trying to elect another U.S. senator or reelect or make sure that certain people are sent to office that represents their ideals. Holly, you and I, we got our canvas packet, you know, 
where you know our 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 route has been planned out. They gave us a bag with some granola bars and some water and and some lit, some literature. That's what lit is, is literature about the the campaign or the candidate that we are advocating. Our role play, we're ready to go. We did our role play. They in the band has dropped us off. All right. And so we're knocking on the door. Holly, what are you saying? Because you're the lead here. I'm the junior. You know, yeah. you're the lead. You're going to show me. You're going to roll. You know, you're going to do a couple of doors until I get the hang of it. Yeah. How, what are you saying after that person answers the door? Yeah, I am saying that, you know, that our economic issues are on the ballot, that our environmental issues are on the ballot, that our health issues are on the ballot. But we already know that. But where our opportunity is, is to, especially because I'm going to be knocking in Black communities, but where our opportunity is, is to finally close some of the disparity, to finally deal with some, with all of the ways in which these issues are impacted by race and class and gender. That opportunity is occurring because of people like you who are voting, that that opportunity is occurring because because you're voting, it is inspiring people like you to also run for office. It is inspiring people like us to be represented and to be in leadership making these decisions. And now we have this continued opportunity to support them and to make sure that they stay the course, that they stay the course to dismantle the racism that undergirds our system so that we have better access to healthcare, so that we have better op- economic opportunities and that we can finally address the environmental things that are causing our outcomes to be so devastating. I hear you, miss. I hear you. But President Biden said I ain't black if I don't vote for him. And I don't like that. Oh, my God. Kill me for the people who misspeak, you know, for all the folks who say the things that are wrong. Let's be honest. President Biden is not sitting here on this block with you. President Biden is not experiencing the things that you're experiencing. And it's not our job to play. Listen, we got to reverse this power dynamic. And I want to suggest to you that President Biden doesn't have the power. You have the power. And so what I'm asking you to do is not to follow President Biden. What I'm asking you to do is to tell President Biden what's important to you. And the way that you can do that is by who you choose to vote for. By saying to him, I'm voting this way because these people, especially some of these local folks, have you seen some of the amazing people we have running for office locally? By voting for them, you're saying, I'm voting for them because I care about what they're talking about. And you should be lucky that you're along for the ride. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Sort of, again, demonstrating that power switch, right? Like, we are not, you know, we often see these scripts, these conversation. You mentioned earlier seeing ads and stuff. And we'd be like, that's not helpful. (laughs) 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 That... (laughs) That is focusing on putting the power into an individual, right? right? That, you know, I heard someone recently talk about give President Biden the Congress he needs to enact his agenda. 
rather than saying, let's elect a Congress that's carrying our agenda that the administration that's it. You know, has to pull, you know, has to pull through, right? And again, it's that civics, that civics lesson in that, yes, the president of the White House may have an agenda, but like we we don't want to be a dictatorship. We don't want one entity to have this power to enact it. It's set up for Congress to make laws. Let's elect a Congress that will make laws Mm -hmm. and policy, Mm -hmm. you know, that benefits us rather than waiting for someone to dictate to us. And let's also recognize, listen. There are a lot of things that President Biden has done that I greatly admire. But let's also acknowledge who he is. He is a senior Northeastern white man. He is doing the things that he's doing because we, Black voters in particular, and Black women especially, have said to him, if you want our support, here is what we need. It is no accident that we have, I'm going to go back to Judge Jackson because it's such a clear example. Before he was even in the hunt to be president because he had a tough primary, one of the things that we said was anybody who's going to really get our vote, we need a seat on the Supreme Court. We didn't get it under Obama. You know, we obviously didn't get it under Trump. We need to be represented. And he committed to that. He didn't commit to that because he was like, oh, this is what we need in the country. He committed to that because Black people and Black women in particular said, if you want our support, this is one of the things that we're putting on the agenda. It was not the only thing that was put on the agenda. We had voting rights on the agenda. We talked about student debt. We talked about increase to health care. A big thing on the agenda that we didn't even realize was going to be a need that we put on the agenda later was the COVID thing. And the fact that at the beginning of COVID, we saw that Black people were dying, literally life on the line dying at much higher rates than their white counterparts. I actually read an article the other day that showed that that trend has reversed. That happened because we make our voices known. And one of the most powerful ways we do that is by voting, period. Yeah, I think that's a great, it, it's great to sort of highlight that we made demand based upon, you know, our power and our vote. This is what we got now. Again, no one goes in and gets all, you know, of the things. Okay, this is like being at the big table. Right, right. So we, <laughs> you know, we still... We, we, we don't still, we, we still at the table if we still vote. You understand? You know, we're set. <laughs> but right. And so, and then we got more demands going in too, you know. Right. It was, and we didn't get them all. We didn't get them all. We didn't right. get voting rights the way we wanted to. We did get the George Floyd Act the way we wanted to, although we got tenants of it. We got something. We got struck, you know, we got some stuff on gun control. But we're not done. And if we get up from the table now, we ain't getting crap. So we got to stay at the table and that's the key. And that's what I try to talk to people about when I'm on the doors, which I'm not as much as I used to, but I'm on the phones a lot. And I say this a lot on the phones and I'm getting more opportunity to have interviews like this one to say the same thing. And we got to remind people like this ain't no accident. We showed up and we didn't show up and just vote and say nothing. We showed up and we spoke out. 
They go together. Yeah, you don't you don't show up and then go home. No, like, you know, right? Like that, no. and and that's making that connection as we talked about. Like there's the election cycle, what you do in that election cycle, that's right. but then what happens, you know, between election days? Yes, and that is the consistent hard press, yes. the continued like we showed up to this meeting because this was our right. demands. I'm back. Right. I'm like every meeting we have, we gonna bring up this, you know, demand again. Right. You know, I'm a D, I'm a I'm a diversity, equity, and inclusion specialist as well. And one of the most frustrating things for a lot of people is when we finally get diverse representation and those people who are representing those communities get in the meeting and say nothing. We can't be those people. We can't vote and say nothing. We have to vote and speak. We have to vote, speak, and act. It is all part of a continuum. The only way that we do not make progress is if we do nothing, if we don't vote, if we say nothing, and if we don't act. Period. That's it. Speaking up and not being afraid, like we fought for you to get at the table. I need you to not be quiet while you yeah. there. And if you can't speak by yourself, then bring your people with you. Ain't nothing to say it's only one place. And if it ain't enough seats, it's okay. Some of us can stand. We can handle it. <laughs> we can definitely handle it. <laughs> now, we done been through all of this. A little bit of standing ain't going to kill us. Exactly. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more on Sunday Civics. Welcome back to Sunday Civics. I'm L. Joy Williams. And at the front of the class with me is Holly Holiday. So I, I want to add to the conversation. I think I, I, I call it manufactured division. Ugh. Because so true, you know, I think a lot of it, we, you know, I love black people. I love us. I love us. I love it. And, you know, I have to say that even when we getting on our nerves, even when we do an extraness, even when we having distracting conversations, even like even all of that, I still love black people. I love us. And I love us. (laughs) Right. And we are very good at talking about problems and talking about what people ought to do and talking about they. Mm -hmm. Um, We can have whole conferences on they. Mm -hmm. Um, They ain't going to let us vote. You know, they ain't doing this. You know, you know, like what we Mm -hmm. going to do that, right? We Mm -hmm. we, we can do that all day. Mm -hmm. We can also talk about at nauseum our deficits. And what we, you know, aren't doing and who's loyal and who's not in terms of our communities and things of that nature. It is harder to get us to talk about our opportunities. Yeah. It is harder to, particularly because it's even when you get the opportunity in our own own space to do that, we also have to deal with the pressures of the outside, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. With the inequities in media coverage with the highlighting our problems and, you know, creating manufactured division, right? Like we can, there is not a protected Mm -hmm. space that we can be without that outside influence of racism, inequities, divestment, and things of that nature. Yeah. And that brings me to these conversations, you know, about our brothers, right? Like, you know, suddenly when Black women are talking about, and you you raised this when we're talking about 
electing a black woman in terms of Supreme Court, you know, into the not electing, but appointing a black woman on the Supreme Court, doing all this stuff and black women lead and black women vote and all this stuff. And we like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And look, I see the brothers who show up for us. I see the brothers who are like, you know, you go on, go on, girl. But then what we have is this manufactured division and conversation. Well, the brothers ain't with you. The you know the brothers gonna vote for Trump, and I'm just like, it's not fifty percent of them voting for Trump. Like, it's <laughs> this goes in the category. I, I'm a '90s baby. This goes in the category of don't believe the hype, right? Don't believe the hype, you know. And and we see that even now. I mean, we saw them and trying to create these divisions around critical race theory earlier because they wanted to plug at the fact that we did not have, or they believed that we did not have an appreciation for our history. And yes, there were a couple of outlying states that were able to get things back, but in large, people didn't believe the hype because they recognized that, you know, limiting one history was the gateway to limiting all kinds of history. And this is true with these manufactured divisions that come up in politics all the time. You know, they want to separate Black Americans from from immigrant Amer- from black diaspora members who come in from other countries so that Caribbeans don't see themselves as black Americans or Africans who immigrate to this country don't see themselves as black Americans. Those are manufactured divisions because when we get here, we all get treated a lot the same. We all face some of the same challenges. They want to do this even within our community between men and women. Don't believe the hype because when we're sitting in our household and we're trying to figure out how to balance our payments for medical care and our payments for groceries and our payments to live, Black men and Black women are having those same struggles together many times in the same household. It's like separating us around the generations. Well, maybe we have a different perspective on how we address it, but we still are suffering from those same things. Unfortunately, uh, we have people who are older than I am who are still trying to pay student debt, just like we have young people who just graduated from college. Guess what they're trying to do? Pay student debt. So that's, you know, they try to come up with these things. And this is where, again, we just have to continue to invest in our own self-worth and our own power because we also have the power to say no. One of my favorite things that has happened in this campaign was in Georgia. There were internet rumors and even Killer Mike, the Killer Mike situation. Killer Mike went on and basically said, Black man, he don't know about Stacey. And immediately, and then Stacey wasn't really doing anything for Black men. And immediately, I mean, immediately, if you could watch this Twitter thread, it was a work of freaking art. I call it the clapback moment. Immediately, men started posting, men, started posting pictures of Stacy in barbershops, of Stacy at meetings with men, of Stacy meeting with men and their son. I mean, it was so immediate. It was like, what are you talking about? What planet are you living in? Those are the moments that we need to capture. I have actually invested a lot this cycle in helping people to be more intentional about those clapback moments. Because like you said, Joy, we love being able to talk about the us's and the them. But you know what else we love? We love being able to correct people when they are absolutely wrong. Girl, when you got receipts, 
I love that the brothers was like, wait a minute, because I got a, I got a picture. <laughs> okay. With that's, that's right. And I think that's the real investment. You know, I, I work with an organization, Sisters, Ladies, Sisters Vote, and we started the Clapback Project because we wanted to empower people to throw those receipts on the table. And I think that's the energy that we need to tap into. Not the energy of the them versus us, but the energy of, are you going to let them define you? And don't you have some receipts on that? How about we do this? Instead of letting them get away with whatever they think they know, how about we let them know what was really going down? Yeah. And that's not to diminish the individual experiences people may have obviously that you know that's not the case right like we're not diminishing individual experiences of people not being supported or being misused and mistreated and invalidated in terms of that right but you know even as you talk about that clap backboard that like level set of reality right I was like you know when brothers are talking to me about oh well they doing all of this for black women I was like do y'all not live with black women do bro, I was like, majority, did we? Did you look at the census numbers? Because majority of y'all live with us, whether it's like your grandmama, your mama, or like extended family. So listen, like, listen. And what in this magical world is happening where it's like <laughs> that only Black women are benefiting from this that you don't also have a benefit? Also, what, who, to, like, who told you that you cannot support, right, the upgrade, the equity? Yeah, for black women. That's right. And it's somehow diminishing you, right? That is a manufactured division that someone has told you or you have this consistent drumbeat that if someone is elevated, if someone receives the equity that they need, if black women receive equity in their pay, somehow that takes away money from your paycheck. It don't take money from your paycheck, sir. (laughs) Like you, it, it honestly, like you mentioned, it honestly adds to it. And this is an additive thing, okay? When we get paid 66 cents on a dollar and you are only getting paid 75 cents on a dollar, when we get an extra 10 cents, that's 10 cents for everybody. That's 10 cents for everybody. Like, not only that, I like, I'm fighting, like, and you, we should be fighting for mine, for yours, for grandma's social security check, like, um, upgrade, like, we fighting for everybody because that, this, it's this a, a household we and community And we need leaders everywhere. Like, my thing is, you know, there are over 500,000 elected positions in this country. We could have people running for all of those. Like, we ain't got to fight. You know, and if that ain't your thing, it'll exponentially multiply the number of leadership opportunities that there are. We ain't all got to serve in the same dang place. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to get smarter. We got to get more expansive. We got to recognize that this spirit of scarcity is grounded in supremacy context and recognize that our true power is in recognizing the abundance that we live a life of abundance, that we can embrace the idea of abundance, and that it is not about less leadership or targeted leadership, but collective leadership and broad leadership in every space. Yeah. Well, it brings me, I, I don't know that it's necessary. I, you know, I would say we forgot yeah. of how to do this. And from a, a 
a loss of memory, yes. right? Because if we think about, you know, you know, back to that speech I talked about, voting rights was in the mobilization for that, as we know, was about being able to protect ourselves, our community, and our pockets. Yeah. Right? Our folks wasn't fighting for the right to vote so they can just, like, be just with everybody else voting. Right. No, it was about, I'm building communities and towns and, you know, legacy and 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 institutions, but without the power to vote for representatives without the power to vote for a sheriff that will protect that property and the community and stuff that I've built without the ability to direct my tax dollars into ways that helps to grow that without the vote to do that, I'm leaving my community and my people vulnerable. So I can build a Tulsa, I can build a Greenwood, I can build all of this stuff isolated from anywhere else. But because I don't have a say-so, right, in the government and the political operation, when racist thugs come through my town and take it all and then kill my people, like, I don't have any recourse. That's right. Right, and any protect, constitutional protection. I don't have any of that, right? So that the right to vote is tied to the ability for me to have economic empowerment right. and uplift. It's tied to education. It's tied to all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's not something isolated. I'm not, you know, voting to be somebody else's tool. I'm voting in order to protect what I'm building. Yes, yes, absolutely. And the next level to that is the speaking and the acting. Because in the speaking and the acting, you move beyond just the transactional nature of power, which voting largely is, which is important. And you grow and expand into the relationship nature of power. So now you move, and this is why I say voting should be your gateway drug to your real power, right? Because voting puts you in the position to have a stake in the game. And once you get the stake in the game, you get to grow it, right? You start with your flag and then you build your territory. If you ever played risk as a child, right? You plant your flag and then you build your empire. That's what we're doing. Voting is planting our flag, but it doesn't stop with that. It's, it then expands into how are you speaking it? How are you acting it? So that you can build your territory, so that you can improve your community, so that you can improve the outcomes in your own life and in your own family. Absolutely. Well, Holly, we got to save the rest for the tour. Uh, you know, <laughs> this was, you know, this was just a taste. A little taste. This is a little taste. with us. Yes. All right. So, like, when we come in, when we come through your city, when we got, you got to roll, you got you to roll through. through. Yes. And I should, and I should point out, not only do you want to come to our tour, but we're full of surprises. So you never know who else we might have pop up on us. So. Just to say, <laughs> this has been so much fun and so like inspirational. I I am going to be running off doing all the things because it's early voters happening everywhere. Want to get that, make sure folks know that, and so I'm going out in the field. And boy, do I have a lot to talk about now. Boy, they don't want me on the doors or the phones today because I'll be running my mouth. I got I didn't been practice. I had my role play. I'm ready to go. <laughs> 
absolutely love it. And that's what we want to do. We want to gear folks up. And so for those of you, you may be voting at, you know, after listening to this, you may be, you know, hitting the doors yourself or volunteering for campaigns and other organizations to make sure you get it. So Joy and Holly have given you what you need, have boosted you up in order for you to hit them doors and hit them phones and make sure people turn out <laughs> to exercise their power. Holly, thank you so much for taking the time out to join us. We hope you'll be back in front of the class in the future. And, you know, stay tuned for the tour date. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. And thanks to all of you for making it to class this Sunday. We'll be back next Sunday with more of Sunday Civics, those civics lessons you need to take civic action. Have a great one.